The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. And look, joining us as always is the lovely Porsche. G'day, Macca. Oh, what about the breaking news? It's pretty exciting, isn't it? I have heard about this. Uh, do you want to key us in as to what's happened in the last sort of uh, 30 minutes or so? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I've got a new tea mug. It's really fantastic. It's one of the ones from Typo. It's got Hell Yeah written on it because Hell Yeah. Um, and it's got a little lid on it so it'll keep the tea warm for longer, which will make it a really nice thing for the podcast. So, That's thanks. I know. I'm actually really impressed with it. It looks like it's fairly easy to clean as well. So that's the big news. And it's debuting tonight. Um, It's really come out onto the field and it's put in a really good, consistent performance so far. So let's hope it continues. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, question. Have you ever drunk straight out of the teapot? Uh, Look, I did once. um, But then I wake up the next morning not really remembering what happened. So look, it's it's too strong for me like that. I, I have to watch it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, you've got to watch that. You don't want yeah. to be going there. It's a, it's a slippery uh, slope, that one. Absolutely. You hear stories, you've got to worry. Yeah. A lot of people haven't come out to the other end. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, Especially when you're drinking specialist tea as well. You know, it's not the soft oh. stuff that you get in the hotel uh, lobby. It's the real stuff. For the Look, hotel. Raspberry Rush, I imagine, gives you a hell of a rush. So, <laughs> That's why they call it a rush. Absolutely. Yeah. In all seriousness, Darcy Boone-Jones is finally... Got his Rising Star nomination, which we've just found out in the last hour or so. A wonderful achievement. And to be honest, he's, uh, he's looked like a 100-gamer out there already. Absolutely. Um, he's got the spirit of a 300-game player in a, 100, in a you know, what, 10-game player or 8-game player. He's doing really well. He's just so composed. He knows how to do all the team things. It's like he's listened to the coaches and is following their instructions, which is really impressive for a Port player right now. It's very good. <laughs> Absolutely. Good on him. Um, as we've said before... A lot of people sort of almost expected that he'd be delisted at the end of last year, and uh, a few of us had faith that he'd be able to uh, continue to develop. And um, you know, he just really hasn't put a foot wrong ever since he came into the side. Yeah, he, and he's what's really good about it is he's doing well in a side that's got a lot of defenders as well. And for a young guy, it can be really hard to make your mark when everyone else is already doing all the big jobs. So the fact he's managed to come in and do as well as he has has just been really. Um, a testament to um, his ability to thrive in conditions that can be a little bit challenging at times. So he's doing quite well. Uh, Well, look, let's go on to our sweet and sour. One thing we found sweet and one thing we found sour about Port Adelaide on the weekend. What was your sweet? Uh, Look, I think my sweet was that like before this game, I was pretty confident that we were going to win this one. And what was sweet was actually just seeing it unfold that way. Um, all of the flaws that Melbourne have that I've seen throughout the year, they all got exploded, which is good. It shows that we're obviously watching the opposition. I uh, have good uh, opposition scouting for this match up anyway. Um, it uh, yeah, it all came out really well. So that was probably my sweet, is just seeing the plan go into action and be executed well and getting a win out of it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a good sweet. got to say that. Um, mm. Mine is Sammy Gray. Um, after struggling... Pretty much all year with disposal efficiency. Um, it was great to see him um, as a late inclusion have such a great uh, positive impact. And you know, we, we've sort of talked about his uh, his disposal quite a bit on this podcast. And I thought he really sort of uh, thought about his disposal a lot more. He sort of lowered the eyes, took his time a little bit more, 
didn't bang it as hard as possible and uh, ended up having a really strong game. Yeah, look, I was pleased with this game, but I'm not, I don't know, I want to see it a couple more times. Uh, I kind of wonder how much of it, I think his form at the end of last year was partially because no one knew who he was and he came in to a side where he could sort of play his full role. Um, But then at the start of this year, obviously, you know, opposition teams knew a bit more about him and he wasn't doing so well. So coming in at the last minute surprise like that might have given him a little bit of a bonus in terms of the form of this game. So if if he stays on the side and plays a couple more games like this, then I'll be pretty stoked. But I'm not sold that that will happen at this point. Absolutely. Hopefully he's got a bit of a taste of the SANFL again and uh, <laughs> yeah. sort of uh, figures he doesn't want to <laughs> want to be there for the rest of his season. So uh, he's, uh, he's trying everything possible to stay in the side. So that's uh, certainly, uh, certainly a good one. Um, what was your sour? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, probably following the game day thread, I really didn't enjoy it this week. But apart from that, yeah. it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, it wasn't, wasn't a lot of sour. I think everyone played fairly well. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a sour this week. I thought it was all right. It would have been nice to get Hogan to less than three goals. It would have been nice to have shut him down a bit better. I, but I felt going in the preview that we didn't have a perfect matchup for him. But, yeah. you know, he really kicked goals and he didn't do a lot else. Um, yeah. I thought it was as good as you could expect. So if I had to pick a sour, that might be it. Yeah, well, look, he could have ended up with five or six, really. Um, yeah. You know, he sort of wasted a few pretty... Easy opportunities, I guess you'd say, in front of goal. So, yeah. Hobbs probably had a little bit of a dirty day again um, as the number one defender. So, you, you never know. We might see someone like Bobby back in the side this week. Yeah, look, potentially. Um, really, it's hard to know whether this, like we just said, whether the balance in this side is the one we want to go with or if we're going to go back to more defensive again. Yeah. Interesting to see. Look, for me, uh, my style was some of the disastrous errors that we made throughout the game and this could have easily been a 15 goal victory if we were yeah. uh, because we really were that dominant at times and you know Wingard missed three sitters Howard obviously hit the post with that poor decision to grab the goal um, and there was a host of times when we had players absolutely streaming towards goal only to miss the target or, or turn it over or watch it go out of bounds so yeah we probably should have scored another five or six goals yeah, look, I think that was wasteful, but I don't really take a lot out of that, particularly when we win anyway. Um, yeah. if, you, if you're going to have rookies, for example, make bad mistakes, you want it to happen and have the team still win because then they'll have an opportunity to learn from the mistakes without getting that, oh, my God, I must never, ever take risks ever, ever again, uh, sort of burned into their brain by a punishing loss. Mm. Uh, so, uh, really, if they're going to happen, because they're going to happen with any new players, you're going to have you know brain fades that are drastic and terrible. Um, it's good to have it in a win like this. Yeah, really? absolutely. Yeah, oh, look, I was reaching for that one. There wasn't a lot of sour this week, so... No, it was really good. Certainly a bit of a reach, but um, what was your WTH moment this week? Uh, the different treatment that Jay Viney punching on with Brad Ebert has been given to, say, the Jonas incident just a week earlier. Um, he's that a good bloke, Jay Viney. He's a good bloke. Well, that's it. I was thinking about exactly that, in that he has the absolute pedigree to be a 10-year good bloke in the AFL. Oh. Um, there's no, yeah. you know, 300-game good bloke uh, where he'll just be able to do stuff like that and never really get much for it. Yeah. Um, even getting pinged for a week now, they'll just say, oh, look, he's just growing up and maturing as a footballer, and they'll forget about it in two years' time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, that's probably my, my, my WTF for this week is going to be just how 
first of all, within minutes on the TV, they're talking about, oh, it's, oh, it's open hand. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. And, oh, we did it three times anyway. Um, and then the, the fact the, the match review panel pretty much just said, yeah, oh, yeah, I suppose it's something, you know, I guess we've got to do something, don't we? Mm. And so if it's one week. But he's out with injury now, so for yeah. three or four, for four weeks. Oh, which... he's, a, he's a good guy, Jack. He's a good bloke. He's got the pedigree. He's got a famous dad. <laughs> he played a lot of uh, played a lot of footy for uh, one of the old school Melbourne teams. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's uh, he's definitely a good bloke and uh, is well deserving of his good bloke discount that he's going to get throughout his career. So, yeah. Well, I mean, everyone on the panel will have played with his dad or him, so that's yeah, what's gonna very happen. true. Very yeah. true. Uh, look, mine is uh, Carlton beating Geelong. Look. Mm. Uh, Certainly didn't expect that, and uh, all credit to Bolton and the Blues. He's got them playing uh, as a team, which is very yeah. important, and, and also playing some pretty bloody impressive footy. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. Um, I guess we'll see how long it holds up. It could just be one of those honeymoon periods. We've seen those before. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, certainly an improvement on what Carlton have been, but really they probably should expect that by now. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since they were at the top of the ladder and they've had a hell of a long time to build a list up and they've still not been great at it. But they've got too many talent players to just not be vaguely competitive. I don't know. Yeah. No, look, I, I expected them to win the spoon this year and I think it's pretty clear they're definitely not going to do that now. Um, mm. And I, I probably thought they might win five games over the course of two seasons coming up. But uh, yeah. you know, to get five on the board already, you know, good on them. They're, uh, they're playing some great footy and... He's got a lot of players playing sort of uh, career-best form as well. Guys like Bryce Gibbs uh, actually look like uh, number one picks now. So, yeah, uh, good on yeah. him. Yeah, no, he's uh, doing a very good job, there's no doubt. Uh, he'd have to say that he'll get probably coach of the year if they perform vaguely on par with what they've been doing so far. Yeah, no doubt. Mm. Look, we've got some questions from the Big Footy Forum once again. Um, so we might as well just get uh, straight into them with uh, a couple here from Johns. Uh, the first one is, uh, does this win change your confidence in Ken? No, not really. No. Um, it might have done for me if it was against a side that I didn't know so well, but because I've been watching Melbourne a lot, I'll keep saying that, but because I've been watching Melbourne yeah. a lot, I kind of know that they're a very flawed side. They're still very one way, which is something that's talk about Melbourne having changed. Like, they haven't changed that much. They're still very much, we want to get the ball in the centre and go forward, and if it doesn't happen, we're not sure what to do. Yeah. Um, and we saw that quite obviously on the weekend. Uh, so yeah, not really. Um, not really. If we put up a good performance against the Western Bulldogs, like lose by a point or something, then I'll be saying, yeah, maybe I might be wrong, but at this point, no. Yeah. Oh, look, I've, um, I've still been positive about Ken, so it certainly doesn't change my confidence in him at all. Um, the result mm. on the weekend. Um, how important for us, uh, was it to win without Polek playing well? Well, we're going to have to learn to do it because he's been in very patchy form this year and this game was no exception. Yeah. Um, we want him and White to be what they were a couple of years ago, um, to be our Fabian Francis slash Stuart Drew of forward attack, but they're not. I don't know what's on, going on with Pollock. Um, he he seems to respond to a rocket, which is not really speaking great to his motivation, because sometimes you'll see, you know, he's had a terrible quarter and then he comes on the next week and quarter and he's on fire or he's trying to chase and everything. Yeah. Where a quarter, where you know the previous quarter he just wasn't interested at all. So I. I don't know what's going on with that. If it's a motivational challenge or he's not understanding the role properly and it's been simplified for him on the field, or, or I don't know what's going on. But we have to get used to not performing well with Pollock at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was good to win without him playing well, and we yeah. probably haven't done that this year. So I guess that's something a, a bit different. And uh, 
as you say, his, his form's been very patchy. We can't rely mm. on him um, just being the sole person that can run and carry and, and deliver a, a good pass up forward. So um, we certainly need a, a lot of other players stepping up uh, on a regular basis to do that as well. Uh, now for the important question, toilet roll. Coming over the top or out the back? Over the top. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah. I, That's the only way. Uh, look, I'd really love to hear a case for someone supporting the other way because I can't imagine that there is one. It's just ridiculous. I've, Insanity. I've, I've thought about it when I uh, went to the toilet before. I even changed the toilet roll over just to give it a go, but uh, yeah. didn't like it. Didn't like it. Went straight back the other way. So It's unnatural. It is unnatural. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely got to be over the top for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Glitch has asked, do we need to bring in another bigger defender? Hopch has uh, been struggling with being the main man. And if so, who misses out? Uh, Well, who misses out? It's probably going to be a small defender, realistically, or a medium defender is who it should be. um, Because we don't want to add even more defenders to the side, in my view. Um, The real question is, what sort of defender do you bring into the side to support him? Because I think it really needs to be whichever of Logan Austin and um, Tom Cleary is a better shutdown defender, um, or indeed Bobby Carlisle, because he is a shutdown defender. Because I think that's the area where Homsch is weak, is just being that super accountable, I will constantly get in your way for everything, I will step on your heels the whole way down the field and back um, type defender. He's much better at... Being more playing against them and playing his own game to some extent. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to have that kind of support. And so it really comes down to which of those is considered to be best. No, that's fair. I think um, if you were going to put in another key defender, you'd probably... I reckon they'd look at taking one of O'Shea or Stewart out, to be honest. But um, mm. ultimately, you'd want one of those sort of smaller players uh, to leave the side. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, depending on how much we value, I suppose, the counter-attack... Um, if we were really worried about a... And that could be a week-by-week thing for either of those two, O'Shea or Stewart, for example, because yeah. if we were worried about having to lock down a, a really good small forward, we might keep Paul Stewart in on his current form. Um, but if we were really just wanting to get a bit more attack from the medium-sized players, we might keep an O'Shea over Stewart. So yeah. um, we've got options. It's nice. It's nice when our when our guys that have been brought in just because we had no one else actually start performing a bit. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. been good to see O'Shea and uh, Stewart up and about, which is great. Just yeah. on that, we've got a question about Paul Stewart from Awesome Dow. Um, okay. Does he still have a future with Port Adelaide? Uh, let's discuss that in round 22. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I, th- I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be the DeListan rookie um, this year. I-, I think they'll give him another year. I want to see how he performs the rest of the year first, personally. Okay. Well, we don't, we're not under any compulsion. And if he does get a huge offer for whatever reason from Fremantle, then good luck to him. <laughs> Um, no, seriously, that's not a joke. That's that's serious. Like, if he does, then okay, cool. I don't think he will, which is why we can be in a position to actually see if his form is enduring or if it's just, again, being because we've not been playing particularly good sides and he hasn't been exposed too much. Um, yeah. yeah. I, well, I can't see Frio coming knocking, to be honest. Uh, well, Gold just, Coast. Just putting it Gold out Coast there. Might. Gold, well, Gold Coast might, yeah. yeah. Gold Coast might, but uh, Ter- certainly not Frio, side. I don't think. But... A, a terrible side, that's really what mm. I mean. Yeah. No, look, I think he might have a bit of a role to play next year. You never know. We've, um, As we all know, we've done this with guys like Logan and Mitchell uh, in the past couple of years. Um, and even back uh, a little bit beyond that, we've done that as well. So, um, I don't know. I'm not against having an experienced player on the rookie list that can sort of mm-hmm. plug and play if, uh, if need be. But, um, you know, we've got so many bloody defenders at the moment. Um, 
also wouldn't be uh, that shocked if he just gets delisted and, and that's it. Yeah, I had a comment on the forum, a couple actually. Um, Bomber Clifford said Stewart's been really good this year, done his job better than most, which, yeah, okay. Ryan yep. Pillar said he's playing a role for a change, which is true, that's probably helping. And Dylan Waghorn said the standard for Stewart is astoundingly low, which I, I could be. Um, Dylan, typically playing... negative, again. Yeah, Dylan. just so negative, Dylan, not Jeez. like us. Gosh. <laughs> Now, speaking of negatives, um, Har Wingard has asked the question, will Sam Gray hold his spot in the side? Uh, you probably don't drop him. But, yeah, no, I can't. I, I think he probably doesn't get dropped this week. He Last in, first out, if, if Brody's fit and ready to go? I don't believe in that. Um, okay. if you, if, I, I personally think we're better off having that extra midfielder rather than having Broadbent playing midfielder. Um, I think there's an important distinction there. If Brody comes back, I'd... I know you're keen on him in the midfield, but I'm quite happy with him being a black flanker. And if he's a back flanker, then he probably replaces one of them. Yep. No, that's fair. I, I expect him to uh, stay in the side this week. Um, I think his form was good enough. And uh, look, we still need some more midfielders in there. So uh, mm. good luck to him. And, and hopefully uh, he plays on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I, if I had to have too many of one type of player in the side, I mean, you, you usually choose midfielders that can play between the between the forward and defensive 50, really. Like, that's your choice. Yeah. So, that's Sam Gray. So, Absolutely. I'd rather, I'd rather have an excess midfielder, for sure. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Andre has asked a question, do you think we would have won either or both of the Carlton or West Coast games if uh, Dukes had played? I think the re- main reason we lost the Carlton game is because we didn't want it enough because that was evident by the fact that no one was doing any chasing when they had the ball. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it would have made a difference there. It could have made a difference against West Coast. Certainly could have against West Coast. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But, we definitely needed a, someone else that could sort of chop out in the ruck, that's for sure. Uh, I agree with you as well. Um, with the Carlton game, I don't think it would have made any difference there, to be honest. But, um, yeah, he wouldn't have uh, solved any of the, the disastrous mistakes that we made in the last sort of five, six minutes. So No, and I mean... Can't as much see as that have changed. And as much as he has a crack, I wouldn't say that he would have lifted the work rate of the side, which was the real reason we lost. So, yep. yeah. Or we'll ch- we'll change the umpiring. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, look, uh, onto the review. Round, to- uh, round 10 saw Port Adelaide play Melbourne in uh, Alice Springs for Indigenous Round. Um, and yeah. it may not have been 100% pretty, but uh, Port Adelaide played some of its most efficient football of the year uh, to win by 45 points, 18 13 to 10 goals 16. Charlie Dixon finished with five goals after kicking four to half time. Uh, Aaron Young, Chad Wingard, and Jarman Impey kicked two goals each. Uh, Porsche, do you want to give us a quick rundown of uh, what went on out there? Uh, look, I think that really what went on is that Melbourne sort of thought they wanted to win, uh, and so they came on pretty strong early. But I felt like even then, again, it was one of those games I sort of, you could see fairly early on that we were going to do okay, and of course we did. We maybe could have done better, but. Yeah. Um, they just didn't have enough. They didn't have enough. Their forward line is, is shallow. They've got really good tools, but the small still haven't really worked out how to gel all that well. The midfield's great, but it's still an honest midfield. There's not really a lot of tricks there, so it makes it a fairly easy to match up on. Yeah. Um, they really need a like a, an all-star kind of um, skill player, um, like a an ideal Travis Johnstone or a Robbie Gray or someone like that to really give it a bit of um, oomph. Uh, and their def- their defence just is ordinary. Um, yeah, Tom, Tom McDonald is fantastic. The um, the small defenders are okay. Um, Oscar McDonald, oh, he was, I I don't know that he plays again for Melbourne. He was shocking. 
It wasn't yeah. all that good. That's, no. that's for sure. He looked a, a little bit lost out there. He's only young. I think it was only what he's only played yeah. about ten or twelve games. I think so. Oh yeah, but like there was one where the one where um, Wingard ran into well, goal. Five games actually. So. There was the goal where Wingard ran into goal, and he just gave that one to Wingard. Like Wingard had the ball, and he kept running towards the goal square when he didn't have the ball. And it's like any yeah. defender that's played zero games should know that means Wingard's <laughs> going to have a crack, right? Yeah. And he saw him there, and he sort of jogged a little bit, and he's like, oh, I don't know, is that going to happen? And then he sees, ah, oh, it looks like it is going to happen. I'll try to run a little bit. And he goes, oh, I'm not going to get there in time. <laughs> and so he stops <laughs> running, which just didn't look good. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, look, it's a rookie mistake, let's face it. But yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty concerning one, especially for one that's got a, that football lineage to a um, direct football lineage and brother in the si- same side that was probably telling him what to do and has great defensive instincts. So it's kind of odd. Yeah. But there you go. Well, I thought it sort of uh, played out pretty similarly to the game last year at Alice Springs, to be honest. Um, yeah. Melbourne were up and about early, and then uh, you know we really took hold of the game and uh, and shut them out before half time. And I guess Melbourne had a, a, a fleeting uh, bit of form in the third quarter uh, when we were sort of uh, making a, a few sort of disastrous errors. But um, outside of that, they didn't really look like they were going to win the game. Um, I thought we had a really strong second quarter and that really set up the win and, and a strong fourth quarter to finish it off as well, which is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I guess that was the good thing about it is that we didn't just crumple at any point. Um, there was a bit of, a little bit of pressure put on by Melbourne at stages when we just kept powering through it. Um, yeah, just exactly what you'd want to see, I think, apart from a couple of rookie errors. But apart from that, I think it was, yeah, very solid. I think the most impressive part of our game, and I'm sure everybody agrees, is the... Um, is the transition from the back line to the forward line was just yeah. almost seamless, like a training drill. Almost like Melbourne didn't even exist out there for a lot of the game. And as I said earlier, you know, we probably should have had four or five more goals because we had players streaming towards goal on, on numerous occasions and just couldn't get it to them. But um, I haven't seen us play that sort of seamless transition football for a very, very long time. I don't want to say that Melbourne let us do it but I think it was kind of was going the same way as well. It's just that Melbourne didn't convert. Yeah. Um, Melbourne had heaps of opportunities, and they were getting—I mean—they were getting from half back down to the forward line pretty easily themselves for the most part. Um, it's just that when they got there, they didn't have anyone apart from Jesse Hogan that was really in position to do much. And yeah, they just weren't able to use it when they got there. But it, I think yeah. it was pretty free, th- free flowing all through the midfield both ways. But yeah. certainly, we took advantage of it. There's no doubt. We're better suited to it. Yeah, look, the uh, much-vaunted Melbourne Diamond or whatever they're calling it was uh, proved to be a bit of fool's gold, I think, out there. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. It, it was almost like watching it from the other side in round one when St Kilda were just kicking Joe the Goose after Joe the Goose and then suddenly we were doing it this week. And I guess yeah. you got a sense of what it was like being a St Kilda supporter in, uh, in round one. Yeah, probably. Um, I really don't think this was too different to a whole number of other Port versus Melbourne games where they have that same back and forth. Like, it just seems to be the way we play against them, regardless yep. of who's the coach. Um, yeah, just that it always seems to be fairly free-flowing through the midfield, in my view. Maybe very early on it was a little bit different, but in the recent five, six, seven, eight, nine years, I'd say it's been like that pretty much every game. Yeah. How did you see the midfield battle and, and most importantly, the ruck battle? I guess um, we're all a little bit scared going up against Max Gorn, who's been one of the form players of the competition this year. Um, but look, Jack, Jackson Trengove did a wonderful job again, and even though yeah. Melbourne almost tripled our hit-outs, we still won the clearances. 
Yeah, look, Max Gorn is, um, he started the year in absolutely ripper form and the last two weeks he has not been so great. And I think that, again, while he got a heap of hit outs, um, he didn't have the same impact that he would have had in other, against other Ruckman and certainly he would have had a month ago. Um, he might just be getting a bit tuckered out. Uh, who knows? I mean, he's he's effectively the number one Ruckman and only Ruckman, same as Love Yours. Yeah. Uh, so maybe <clears throat> maybe Max Gorn's going to run out of steam in a week or two and then Melbourne might be in a bit more trouble than they think. Um, it wouldn't surprise me too much. But look, Jackson's done a fantastic job. Uh, the midfield's done a fantastic job because they know how to play to this now and it's really... Really amazing how much of a difference having a Ruckman that even if they're not winning the taps, how much having that extra player in midfield that is still competing and contesting and keeping people accountable is important to our side. Um, yeah. I think that's been the thing we've, we gain most through having Jackson Trangove come into the Ruck is just that accountability and that um, desire to actually get the ball and make an impact, which I don't yeah. think we've had previously with Lobby, unfortunately. Oh, look, defensively, we were wonderful. Um, Brad Ebert had eight tackles. Uh, Sam Gray had nine. Robbie Gray, five. Mm. Travis Boak, four. So when you're starting midfields that that good and, and doing that sort of uh, that fantastic defensive work, it certainly makes it a, a lot easier you know, yeah. playing to a, a losing ruck. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the whole midfield had a pretty good run, really. Um, I guess they should. They're a more experienced midfield than the Melbourne one in some ways, but... They still had to do it, and they did it. They were accountable. They did everything they needed. So I think that was probably the first real win for the midfield this year, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Yeah, quite I mean, possibly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was Boke's best game for the year. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Brad Ebert, you could probably say the same with him as well. I thought he, yep. he made a few errors. His disposable efficiency was, was shocking, but uh, oh, yeah. defensively he did a great job on Viney. Robbie Gray, it was great to see him back in form. We've already spoken about Sam Gray. Um, it was also interesting seeing Hamish Hartlett move back to the back flank um, and take mm. over Brody's role, and I thought he did a bang-up job there as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the role he was doing last year that sort of got him the, all the kudos. Um, yeah. So maybe just leave him there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. I guess that means, once again, one of those back flankers has to go out. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, there was certainly... like. I remember a time when Luke Hodge was played in the back lines and people were like, oh, you know, it's a waste of Luke Hodge. Just like, no, no, it's not really. Mm. Um, yes, he's a very talented player and yes, he can play midfield. But if he makes the difference that he was making to the back line at the time, then it's still the right move. And I yeah. kind of feel like Hamish Hartlett is in that category in that he's a good, he can be a good midfielder. But if he can be an excellent um, backman every week, then why would you not play him in the place where he's going to get the most value from him? Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. I thought we saw the best of Justin Westhoff this weekend. Uh, had oh, yeah. 23 touches and 8 marks. And although he didn't hit the scoreboard, he, he was certainly one of the most valuable players out on the park. Totally agree. Best team game from Westhoff all year, I reckon. Yep. Really good. Really excellent game. Uh, how did you find Dougal? Uh, look, I found him a rookie tall. He had that really good mark early on. He made that really terrible mistake later on where he tried to grab the goal and didn't come off. Um yep. But, you know, he's good. He, I think that we talk about why it's good to have tall targets. We talk, oh, because you can outmark and you can do all these other things. But the real thing it lets you do is that when you've got a tall target, it's easier for the midfielders to see that there's someone leading. Um, they don't have to look through a forest and go, oh, there's a little person running quite fast. Um, yep. so that, I think that was probably where he, his height had the biggest impact. But I was okay with that. I think it helps our structure. Yeah, I thought he played well. I thought he uh, he certainly helps our structure. He gives Trangove a, a decent chop out in the ruck and uh, and certainly takes some pressure off Dixon, who uh, 
probably relish having both Westhoff and Howard out there for the first time this year. Yeah. Um, kicking four goals to half time and, and ending with five. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of have to wonder what made him okay to come in this week and not a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah. What what about what about his recovery has made this week the week to bring him in? Does it mean that we'll drop him again this week or the week after so he can have another rest in the SANFL? Or are we just saying, no, he's fine? I think it's been more structural in the fact that Ken and the, uh, and the coaching staff have wanted an extra small out there to provide a bit more run and have just been happy with what Trengo's been doing. But uh, maybe when we had such a hard time uh, against West Coast, uh, maybe they sort of bit the bullet and said, no, we actually do need another toll out there. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. I would, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see him dropped. He might stay in this week, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see him dropped against the Bulldogs um, just because they're much more likely to punish a rookie forward for any mistake yeah. at all um, than Collingwood. I mean, I'm not saying Collingwood's terrible, but they're not as good as the Bulldogs. Yeah. Oh, look, he's still at that stage in his career where he's going to go in and out of the side a little bit, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. Um, so long as he performs when he's in the side, um, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I think he should be pretty pleased with how he's going this year. Yeah. Um, it would not be would be nice to see more of him. So, I like it's his all learning at this point in time, and you can guarantee he's not going to grab her a goal again ever for the rest of his career. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It depends on who's his mentor. <laughs> if it's Justin Westhoff, he might have another crack. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, how did you see Wingard's game? That was uh, for me one of his best games. Even though he was a, a little bit lazy in front of goals, uh, should have really ended up with five or six. Um, he was uh, certainly one of the best players on the park. Yeah. Wingard is Port Adelaide, and I'll explain what I mean by that. In that I've talked, I think, previously on the podcast like a couple of years ago about the traditional Port Adelaide season. In that the traditional Port Adelaide season, you start pretty well for the first couple of games. Then you kind of wander a bit, and mid-year it looks like you're trying, but it's not quite working out. And then you start getting really good in the second half of the year, and then you roll into finals. And that's pretty much describes Chad Wingard's game to a T really Um, he's just sort of been wondering since he came back in the side and this week you could see he was working pretty hard but he just wasn't getting it all together wasn't doing all the right things and I think he's really just a week or two away from that all clicking and being back to his best well when you're still getting 26 touches and two goals when you're only in second gear it's a a pretty good sign (laughs) oh yeah yep absolutely (laughs) he's a a gun player we can't ever forget that Um, but it would be nice when he's back in top form yep no doubt uh, Carl Amon, how did you see his game? I thought it was all right. Um, yep. I think he did some useful things. I think that his mistake where he got run down is very much overblown for his impact on the game. Yep. Um, he had a couple of goal assists later in the game. He had a really good hard knock that he copped to get a ball and get the ball away to Aaron Young, who kicked a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not soft or anything like that, as people are implying. Um, I thought he was solid, and because we don't have a white, and because Polak has been out of form, I think he probably stays in the side. Really? Yeah, I think that's fair. I I still hold out a lot of hope for for Carl. I think he's a good little player, and you certainly don't write players off. Uh, you know, when they're in their what third year, and they've only played about twelve games of AFL footy, and he's got a lot of talent. He's got great skills, and mm. maybe he could be a little bit harder. Doesn't really matter, to be honest. I don't think um, at this stage of his career. Um, and look, I thought he played well, and to be honest, he, he's almost got a bit of the Tom Logans 
um, in that there's always one bad mistake that you tend to remember and it gets blown out of all proportion. And there was a stage where Tom Logan was in the side and, and doing exactly that. He, For all the good things that he was doing, there was always one really bad clanger which uh, just immediately sort of springs to mind. Um, and I, I feel Carl Amon's almost in that zone at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I've made a comparison to, say, Peter Burgoyne early on because he had that. He certainly was making clangers early on occasionally and doing some really excellent yeah. things as well. But um, there's been multiple of those in Port's history and they don't all end up being terrible. A lot of the time they end up being pretty good. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential, really. Um, I've got no issue with him hanging around and keeping playing. Um, if we could recruit a Gary Rowan in the off-season, then yeah, okay, I might say let's replace him, but unless we're doing that, I'm not really too interested. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I compared him to uh, early Jared Schofield on the uh, in the review thread, and you know when, when Jared came across the Port Adelaide from West Coast, he, he played some great games, and he also played some pretty damn terrible ones, and oh, yeah. games where he was where a lot of people were very, very critical of the way he was going about it. He was too soft, wouldn't put his body on the line. And it did actually take um, Jared a good sort of three or four seasons to uh, to gain that sort of hardness um, at the ball. And there, there was a couple of good games um, in 2002 where he did that, especially the mm. first showdown that year where he was the showdown medalist and uh, yeah. and played a, a wonderful game as, as almost an inside mid, which was um, totally not his sort of role in the side. But I feel Carl Amon's pretty similar at the moment. You know, he's got skills. He's he's almost there. You know, he's sort of three quarters of the way there. And for me, I think he's definitely worth persevering with. Um, and, and I do believe that he's going to get there, for sure. Yeah, um, Jared Schofield, I think I mentioned on the forum this week, he's the only Port player I've ever bothered to write a note to to say, hey, you, your turnaround in form is really good, well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which puts him in pretty rare company. Like, he's the only one. I haven't bothered for anyone else, not even... Tread Ray when he started playing well or Chad Corns or anyone else. Like, no, nah, he's the only one, Jared Schofield. So there you go. Fun fact. There you go. <laughs> Can't say I've ever written to a player. No, I, I thought, no, why would I do that? I'm not 10. But, and I was like, yeah, no, I don't care. I just want to, I don't want to, I want to be absolutely certain that he knows from someone that we have noticed his change in attitude and performance and behavior and that we like it. So I wrote one. I wrote to the club in 2000 and uh, got a phone call from Bucky uh, a week or so later. So that was uh, that was exciting. Oh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that, that was pretty nice. But um, I think the only other time I've written to the club was to say, you did well on the Nick Stevens trade. Um, screw Carlton, screw Collingwood, screw Nick Stevens. <laughs> yeah. Controversial, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything mm. else you want to talk about? Look, no, not really. Um, Charlie Dixon. Charlie Dixon, he's sort of coming into his own now like we sort of thought he would. Um, yeah. Just that settling into the new team thing. It's really it's really more an issue for key position forwards almost than any other player in the side, although I suppose key position backs are probably in a similar situation, just really getting into the routines and learning to read what players you can rely on and where they're probably going to kick and what their biases are and all that sort of thing. So yeah. I think he's really coming into his own now. He's doing really well. For sure, absolutely. Mm. No, he's, uh, he's definitely got uh, a little bit more consistent over the last few weeks. And um, as I said earlier, uh, with Westhoff and, and Howard in the side, it, uh, it certainly sort of clears the way for Dixon to uh, be a bit more one-on-one and not get overcrowded by tall defenders and, um, and use his marking to his advantage. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's the sort of guy as well, like you can just see how much he loves it when he's doing well, and I think that's just going to be a real boost for the side going forward when it gets tough. Yeah. Um, someone had a crack at him for having that, you know, fist in the air in the Carlton game and being sort of hyped up and getting everyone on board and because we didn't win the game. And it's like, oh, no, if you're only willing to do that when you're winning the game, then what's the point, first of all? And second of all, you're missing out on the key motivation to keep the team going. So, no, I'm really excited to get out there. He's like a big puppy. It's really great. I'm glad he's in the side. Yeah. I feel like I've been a little bit harsh or maybe underrating his year a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think he's played <laughs> exceptionally well. I think he's been a bit patchy. Um, we have kicked to him a hell of a lot, but he's averaging career highs in marks, goals, contested marks, marks inside fifty. So, you know, all the sort of key um, stats of his game and what he wants to do is he's averaging career highs. So, certainly delivering. Yeah, look, if he has a bit more consistency in his supporting cast and also in delivery to him. Um, all of those things will improve. He'll get used to the patterns. He'll get used to his teammates. He'll improve every every facet of his game. Because um, yeah. he seems the sort of guy that will do that, that he'll keep trying. And obviously that's a large part of why Hinkley wanted to bring him over. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've got no doubt that like as good as he is right now, I don't think this will be anywhere near his best season for us. No, absolutely not. Mm. The best is certainly yet to come. Mm. Um Aaron Young is another one who's uh, been super consistent and, and yeah. once again performed on the weekend. It was great to see him spend a little bit more time in the midfield as well. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing how well he's doing at the moment. Um, I don't know, who's the next really accountable defence we're coming up against? It'll be Bulldogs, won't it? It'll be yeah. interesting to see how he goes then, but certainly I'd hope to see a similar against Collingwood. Yeah. I don't know. I guess in the back of my mind, I'm almost expecting there's going to be a game where he gets like, Two kicks, one handball, and, and that's yeah, it, right. sort of thing. But it just <laughs> hasn't happened, and it doesn't really look like happening. And he just keeps scoring goals and, and getting in the play and setting things up. And he's just having a fantastic season. Yeah, yeah, no, he's doing really well. There's no doubt. He's um, he's exceeded, I think, Aaron's expectations at this point. Um, so good on him. Well done. Yeah. Good work, Aaron. Well, that's all I've got. Oh my god, really? It's a short one. Yeah. Well, there's no SA NFL to talk about. Oh, I guess was, we can but... talk about the state game if you want, where uh, Stevie Summerton got 29 disposals and was one of the best on ground, I guess, but that that's pretty much it. Yeah, look, um, it's really hard to get excited about state football at that lower level now, isn't it? I mean, mm. yeah, what, what's the point? <laughs> I saw a shot of the crowd with, uh, with Zane Kirkwood getting the trophy or the medal or something like that, and there was about four people in the background, so... Looks like a looks like a, a huge crowd went out to see that one. Yeah, I, you kind of have to wonder, like, are we are we getting closer finally to the point where we can sort of cut off the SNFL or at least switch it over to saying that they are the leech um, because they are. Uh, It'll never it, happen. No, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. How do we make it happen? <laughs> How do we get oh, them gone? How decide. do we get them? Really I, I can't to... really see it happening, ever, to be honest. I think uh, they'll always have the excuses and they'll always ask for for more money from the AFL clubs. I think it's just as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. We really need the AFL to step in and do something, but I, I think don't think they really care, really. Yeah. Like the only th- reason they did anything last time is because they were going, oh, this is not good yeah. for money. Money's not good. Rating's not good. What's going on? No, that's um, right. And if we're not, unless we want to sink to similar levels, we probably won't be able to encourage that sort of change from them. So you're probably right, unfortunately. 
until the SNFR bankrupt themselves, even with huge tons of money, which is pro- which probably will happen at some that point. That could happen. That could definitely might be, happen. Might be in thirty years' time. I yeah. suppose when the when the first SNFL club says, "Oh, we need money," and the SNFL can't say, "We've got some," that'll probably be the trigger. Hmm. So North Adelaide, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Look, I guess a bit of a, uh, a preview for Thursday night. How do you feel about the Collingwood game coming up? Uh, confident, not overconfident. Uh, it is Collingwood at the MCG, so that could be okay. And just be- we've had a couple of games in a row now where we've worked fairly hard, um, so we're due for another stinker, I guess. Yeah. Going on our going on our form this year, we're due for another one where we're sort of like, oh yeah, we're pretty good, and don't do the work, but. Hopefully it won't be this week. I'd like to see a win this year in person. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, on face value, I'd agree. It sort of uh, looks like a game that we should lose by five goals. But I'm actually really confident coming into this one at the moment. Uh, I guess depending on uh, selections and that sort of thing. But I, I'm really confident that we might have a, a pretty decent sized win. Oh, that worries me you saying that, Macca. <laughs> Look, I'm, um, I'm concerned myself. But uh, I don't know. I, I've just got good good vibes about this one. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess that... And we owe Collingwood over there. It's it's been a while since we've beaten them over there. It's true. It has been a while. Um, I guess it's really just going to come down to that midfield battle, you know. Um, If we can negate them in midfield again, or that would be... Then, yeah, we're in with a real shot, you know. I don't think their defence is anything amazing. Charlie Dixon should be able to get away with a thought. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um... As far as hitouts, Brody Grundy's okay, but I think that he's not smart enough to match with Jackson Trengove as soon as the the ball comes off. So, yeah, don't know. I think we should be okay. Was there any other footy you watched on the weekend? Um, I watched the Collingwood Bulldogs game, which was kind of predictable, except for the Collingwood injuries. I didn't think Collingwood ever had a real chance, but yeah. it's hard to say that when they had no fit men on the bench. Um, and yeah, there was North Melbourne Sydney game on Friday night, which. I guess we should expect that because Sydney are always tough at the SCG, but it sort of puts a little bit of a dent in the North Melbourne aspirations of your premiers this year. They did the little grid talking about who have they beaten so far this year, and at the start of the year it might have looked better than it is now because most of the teams they've beaten are pretty comfortably in the lower half of the ladder, yeah. uh, and the ones they've lost to have been you know right up there with them. So it could yeah. be one of those uh, downhill skiers sort of things, although not really because North Melbourne don't play like that, but that they have the... They have enough discipline and enthusiasm and experience to beat the sides that are sort of kind of good, but that maybe they might still get exposed by more talented, younger, fitter, um, or better coached sides. So it'll be interesting to see how they go from here. Uh, I think that might have been a turning point. If they're going to drop off, it's going to happen now. Yeah, it could be a a bit of the uh, Port 2014s with their season, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I've got to say, that's one of the things that is in the back of my mind because, you know, we're talking about our 20th season stuff. Um, which is that, you know, you've got North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs looking like two of the really likely people in the finals, and I just don't trust them in the same final series as the Adelaide Crows. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't trust them after 97 and 98. No, I, no, they, they're unreliable. So, you know, get Sydney back up there or get someone else back up there or Hawthorne because there's no way that they'll lose. I would rather have that. That's my little paranoia. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Here's a question. Oh, are Frio going to ensure that they finish below Essendon on the ladder? Nah, it'll probably happen anyway. 
I mean, I, that, I he, that was a bizarre game on uh, on Saturday, the Saints uh, Frio game. I mean, Frio were well in control of that game, and then they gave up the last what, eleven goals of the match or something. So, quite a bizarre match that one. I mean, I, I kind of feel like Fremantle have less to lose by finishing bottom because their fans are so used to it, whereas I don't think Essendon fans are. I think if Essendon finish bottom, even with all the excuses, I don't think it will be accepted by the members. Um, I think that I think that Fremantle have got, Fremantle have got the form, they're more likely to hang on to bottom, and I think they'll just be terrible by default. The only thing that makes the Fremantle-Essendon battle interesting is that it's a Freo home game. But if it was in Melbourne, mm. Freo would lose for sure. Yeah, um, yeah don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where their first win comes. Well, I'm not yeah. sure when it's going to be, but... I don't want to put money on it. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Hard to tell. Well, tricky. I reckon we might leave it there for this evening. All right. Give you a rest, give you a uh, voice a break and yeah. you know, get back on the hot tea or whatever you're having. That's it. Mm. Good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you and very much. We thanks will talk for... again on uh, Thursday. Excellent. And we'll talk about, we'll, we'll have to come up with some kind of justification for why we'll beat Collingwood because you seem a bit more confident than me I, I'm a bit mm, not sure but yeah speak on Thursday well, I've got the Collingwood game on tape from this week so uh, ah, I'm going to okay. be watching that and seeing uh, how the Bulldogs did it and if it was just um, a matter of the injuries or if there was some other sort of magic formula um, but look I mean Collingwood aren't that great and no we're going to smash them have faith. Yeah, maybe. I think we're going to have to have a really informed defence to do it. So that It could be the Nurofen talking, but uh, we're going to smash <laughs> Well, look, I like Macker on Nurofen. That's, <laughs> that's excellent. Keep taking more Nurofen. It, it's only good. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Can't appear. Carnports. DBJ. Wines, Gray, fancy, well done. Still Gray, handball's good. Westoff could kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. 